We don't sugarcoat shit. This is Renegade Talk Radio. Renegade Talk Radio. The talk that makes your body rock. Hello, Renegade Nation, and welcome back for another installment of Big Trouble in Little Vagina, the program that's dedicated to helping you find that most important, most elusive, and most precious of all things, the perfect orgasm. Now, before we jump into the uh, meat of today's episode, I want to take a little time to remind you that if you're searching for things on the internet, please make sure that you're using IjiSearch.com. That's I-J-I Search.com. Because if you're anything like me, and you like looking up naughty little things on the internet, well, IjiSearch.com will eradicate that naughty search history, so you probably won't have to explain that embarrassing porn search to anyone. Yeah, use IjiSearch.com and you'll never have to explain that embarrassing browser history again. Well, except for to me, because I want to know. So our journey together is going to be a long, deep, and hard look at sex and relationships. And some of the topics are going to be pretty familiar to you. And some are going to be new and exciting. But I promise you this, there is going to be pleasure everywhere we go together. And as for me, I am your goddess of getting it on. I am the mistress with the mostest, naughty Nicole Delacroix. And the only thing that I ask of you, my dear listeners, is that you keep an open mind, put aside what you think you know, sit back and relax and we'll walk down this crazy path of life together. And don't ever forget, orgasms are nature's way of saying, hey, life sucks ass, but here, have a little candy. Oh, my dear heathens, we have spent so much time getting to know each other deeply and intimately, and I want to take the time to say thank you so much for trusting me. Now, last week, we took a step back and we looked at the relationship side of things and talked about dating in the new millennium. And this week, we're going to continue that deep probing of the relationship side. Now that we know each other a little bit better, it's time that we get down and dirty with another topic that's on everybody's mind. That's right, my sweet listeners. On today's episode of Big Trouble in Little Vagina, we're going to be exposing that dark underbelly of cheating. So I hope you have your adventure hat on today because we're starting today's adventure with one burning question. Why do we cheat on the ones we love? Now, this episode isn't going to be for the faint of heart. No siree. We're going to dig deep into our psyches, and we're going to be laying it all bare, warts and all. Now, don't be mistaken by today's topic and think that today's episode is going to be giving any credence or reasoning as to why people should or should not cheat. We are simply going to be looking at the science behind it. There will be no excuses here. All right. 
This is going to be a bit of a difficult episode this time because cheating brings up feelings of rejection and all those fears that we have about relationships. Relationships are going to differ from couple to couple, but there's one thing that most people seem to agree on when it comes to murky matters of the heart. Cheating is wrong. But if we agree on that, then why do people cheat in the first place? We all know that infidelity in any type of a relationship can be an emotionally and mentally draining experience for both the person being cheated on and the person doing the cheating. And yet, chances are, you or maybe someone you know closely has felt the impact of cheating at least once. Which begs to question, if people hate cheating and cheaters so much, Why do we put ourselves and the people we love through those things? Well, let's start with the elephant in the room. Why do we cheat? That's a big question. It's a big elephant. Now, when it comes to infidelity, there are many, many different reasons. But we're going to start with two of the most common and we'll move from there. The first reason is probably the most well-known, and it's probably the one most cheaters use. Partners cheat because of problems in the relationship. Something's missing, passion has faded, one feels lonely, or maybe you find someone who treats you better, or maybe appears to appreciate you more than your current partner, and so on and so forth. The excuses go on and on. Simply put, people claim that they're not happy in their current relationship, so they look outside of their relationship for love and affection elsewhere. Now, the second reason digs a little bit deeper into our nature, and it tries to explore what it means to be human. And it asks the question, why is being faithful to a partner so difficult for some people? Sure, one reason will look at what people say about infidelity in general, and the other looks at how and why it happens. But the truth is, both reasons are sides to the same coin. Together, they give us a complete picture about infidelity, love, and relationships. So truthfully, we can't have one without the other. So let's start with, what is cheating really? Now, Most people are going to answer that question by saying when a partner has sex outside of a committed relationship. I myself turned to the internet to see how it was clinically defined, but I think that the basic definition of the word is probably more apt than any of our other fail-safe meanings. The true definition is cheating is to act dishonestly or unfairly in order to gain an advantage, especially in a game or examination. To me, that just fits my own personal definition of cheating better than they're just having sex outside of the relationship. Cheating to me is so much more than just sex. In fact, to me, sex is just physical. Researchers on infidelity don't seem to have one set definition and neither do the people that they study. Interestingly, 
I was having this very conversation with a few of my friends, and they happened to ask me what my definition was. And I found it kind of easy to express to them, and I hope maybe you'll appreciate how I defined it. My definition went something like this. If you're sharing a part of yourself with someone other than me, and you're not telling me and I'm your partner, or you're trying to hide it from me, then you're cheating. Because the basic guideline for me is honesty. And if you're not telling me, well, that's a lie of omission. So you're not being honest. So now that we know what cheating is, we, of course, each have our own definition of it. And you do have to have your own definition of what cheating is. Then we have to look at how does one make the decision to cheat? Well, human sexuality is incredibly complex and decisions about sexual behavior aren't typically planned in advance. When making promises to be faithful, most people have every intention of keeping that word. But the best of intentions isn't governed by vows taken or promises made. When it comes to decisions about love and betrayal, well, logic and reason compete with our emotions for control. And many times our emotions can influence our behavior and lead us down some paths that we really didn't have any intention of traveling in the first place. When it comes to infidelity, there are three emotional systems at play. Sexual desire, romantic love, and attachment. And people can be pulled apart by any of these emotions, and especially by all three. The best example of portraying how infidelity can happen is in the movie Unfaithful. Diane Lane plays a happy housewife who ends up cheating on her husband due to a chance encounter with a very attractive stranger. Her emotions, in particular her sexual desire, get the better of her, resulting in decisions that she even finds appalling. Now, this doesn't mean that cheaters shouldn't be held accountable for their actions. What it means is you need to figure out what the underlying cause is and deal with those emotions. Most infidelity occurs not because it's planned, but because people find themselves in situations where their emotions can overwhelm them. But don't mistake that as an excuse for people to cheat, because it's not. We need to be able to identify those situations that bring out the worst in our behaviors and either try to avoid them or never get into those situations in the first place. So that brings us to our next question. What kind of situations can influence us to cheat? Now, of course, Again, this is a situation where there's so many of them. I'm just going to tap on a few of them that most of us will be able to recognize. Being too close or too dependent on someone other than someone's partner. That means that friend that you have at work that you spend a little too much time texting, you're probably putting yourself in a situation to cheat. Being around someone who is sexually interested and or interesting that's right, putting yourself in a situation where you're spending a great deal of time with someone who appeals to you sexually or is sexually aggressive towards you and you like it, 
that is just a recipe for disaster. Spending a great deal of time one-on-one with someone who isn't your partner. Now, I'm the first one to say that everybody should have their friends outside of their relationship and should spend time with them. But when you're spending more time with your friends than you are with your partner, there's a problem. There's a big red flag. Not feeling close or connected to one's partner. For example, feeling lonely or being upset or angry with your partner all the time. These are all recipes for disaster. Then we have situations that create that sense of opportunity. You know, the one that gives you that feeling that maybe you won't get caught. My examples for these are meeting someone in private or maybe those out-of-town business trips you've been taking too many times with your secretary. And last but not least, any situation involving copious amounts of alcohol and drugs. Yeah, alcohol always messes with our reasoning and our logic, so probably best to not get ourselves in these situations. Unfortunately, for many people, it's incredibly difficult to always be in control of their emotions, especially when placed in any of these situations that I've touched upon. So that begs the question, what about willpower or self-restraint? Well, truth is, there's a lot of research that's been done about willpower and self-restraint, and truth is, neither one alone does very much to change or stop the influence on our own behaviors. Now, some cultures believe that an individual's willpower and self-restraint can't be trusted, i.e., where you have the person that has the third wheel on the date. But in our Western culture, we place a huge value on an individual's responsibility. So your choice comes down to this. Either control the situation, thus controlling the behavior, or allow the situation to happen and be held accountable for the behavior. Unfortunately, for a lot of people, neither of these options work. Infidelity, like many other human behaviors, is difficult to control. Being faithful to a partner is more complicated than simply making promises to do so. Being faithful to a partner often requires avoiding these situations which can bring out the worst in our behaviors. All right, my dear listeners, we're just getting started on the topic of cheating. And before we dig in too much further, I think it's time we take a little visit to our sponsors to see what they think. You're listening to Big Trouble in Little Vagina. I'm Naughty Nicole, and this is Renegade Talk Radio. Meet me back here, my little heathens, after this word from our sponsor. Thanks for asking, but I'd rather not send you nude pictures. I'm camera shy. I already said no. Under my clothes, I'm a robot. My webcam is broken. I'm worried they'll get passed around school. I have a rash. I have nudophobia. I have lizard skin. I'm a vampire, so I don't show up in pictures anyways. Your badgering has really killed the mood. When someone is pressuring you to do something you don't want to, how many ways can you say no before they get the message? Let us know at that'snotcool.com. Brought to you by the Ad Council. The talk that makes your body rock. Welcome back, my Renegade Nation heathens. 
And if you're just joining us, this is Big Trouble in Little Vagina. And today we're talking about cheaters and cheating. I hope that during the break, you used itchysearch.com to look up some additional information about cheating, or maybe you know somebody who's a cheater and did a little cyber snooping. Don't worry, your secret is safe with me, and itchysearch.com will never tell. Before the break, we were talking about the definition of cheating, and we identified some specific situations that could cause someone to cheat. But now we're going to look at the common reasons that people give for cheating. And again, I want to reiterate, this is in no way defending people who cheat on their partners. This is just the science behind it. The most common reason cited for having an affair is a lack of sexual satisfaction in their primary relationship. Both women and men who enter into affairs are using the affair as hoping to improve their sex life. They can enjoy many other mutual activities, but for whatever reason, the sex just isn't working out for them. Our desire for sex, whether we're conscious or not, is one of the life's most basic and fundamental needs. Our sexual desire influences a lot of our behavior, and we're not always aware of its influence. So if you're thinking about cheating, and you're thinking the reason you want to cheat is because of an unsatisfactory sexual experience with your partner, I suggest you listen to some of my previous podcasts and try and spice things up with your partner first. Everybody has a desire for additional sexual encounters. Now, that was a relatively infrequent reason that people cited their purpose for having an affair. But I think it's possible that more people would have had this reason, but they didn't want to admit it because truthfully, it's not a very socially desirable wish to articulate. So I think that maybe they may not have been telling us the truth. Then there's a lack of emotional satisfaction in their primary relationship. Seeking emotional intimacy can be nearly as compelling a reason to have an affair as seeking physical intimacy. The need for emotional closeness in an affair fills a connection that they're lacking in their primary partner. But again, communication with your partner can help you solve this problem without cheating. Wanting emotional validation from someone else. Being appreciated is a key factor in the emotional connection that partners feel towards one another. Partners may grow apart and, as they do, they may fail to acknowledge the needs that both have in the relationship. And this is another reason why communication is so very key. Falling out of love with your partner. Now, to me, this is a relatively insignificant reason because love is so very difficult to define. In the grand scheme of things, having sexual and emotional intimacy seem to trump love because truthfully, I think we love our partners and that's one of the reasons we cheat because we're too scared to tell them the truth. Just my opinion on it though. Falling in love with someone new, yeah. Very few people indicate that they have fallen head over heels for a person 
that they've had an affair with. Again, emotional intimacy plus sexual closeness seems to be a more important factor that leads partners to stray. But, you know, once in a blue moon, people do fall in love when they're having an affair. Wanting to seek revenge. Oh, yeah. In a relationship that's already suffering, the desire to hurt a partner who is, or is perceived to, have cheated, seems to raise the stakes significantly from mere lack of intimacy. And Hollywood just enjoys exploiting this one. Think American Beauty. But in reality, very few people cite this as the main reason for their affair. Curious and wanting new experiences. Well, people who cite this reason feel that they want something new. This motivation went beyond simple curiosity and into some type of contest to measure their sexual prowess. It may have been less complicated for them to compete on the tennis court or golf course, but the allure of someone and something new led them to choose this particular form of challenge. Now, evolution shapes human behavior. It shapes how we think, feel, and behave. Most of the time, we're not even aware of the motivations that influence our behavior. We don't really need to know why we do the things we do, just as long as we do them. Evolution rewards life forms that survive, reproduce, and help relatives get ahead. Evolution rewarded humans that were sexual in nature, because guess what? We are all the descendants of individuals who were driven and motivated to act on their sexual impulses. That's right, people. Our ancestors were horny. Get over it. Accordingly, people today are stuck with those sexual desires which drove our original ancestors to reproduce. Whether we like it or not, cheating is a part of our sexual makeup. For millions of years, people who cheated on their mates reproduced faster than more sexually reserved individuals. So now, the desire to cheat is a universal part of our human nature. It's something we inherited a long time ago from our cheating ancestors. This, however, does not mean that everyone will cheat. It only means that that impulse and tendency to cheat is innate. It's part of who we are. So why do some people act on their desire to cheat while others remain faithful? The desire to cheat is a fundamental and unconscious part of our human nature. Not everyone is going to be unfaithful. Like most of our behaviors, infidelity is not intentional, but for the most part is situationally driven. When placed in the right situation, or in the wrong situation in this particular case, our emotions can prompt us to act in ways that are counter to our own beliefs. So, what factors influence an individual's willingness to cheat? Again, opportunity. All things being equal, the more individual free time that people have, the more likely they are to cheat. Couples who have very separate social lives, friends, careers, travel plans, and so on, are much more likely to cheat than couples who spend most of their time together. 
the more opportunity people have to chant to cheat, the greater the odds are that cheating's going to happen. Risk-taking behavior. People who like to take risks have a sense of adventure and are more likely to cheat than people who are a little bit more fearful or timid by nature. There is most likely a genetic component involved in risk-taking behavior. Some people are actually predisposed to taking risks. Ah, sexual desire, my favorite. Oh. Sexual desire varies from person to person. Some people have a very high sex drive, while other people are much less concerned or interested in sex. Who the hell are these people? I'm sorry. Okay. People with a high sex drive are more likely to cheat. Again, sexual desire appears to be influenced by genetic factors. Some people are inherently more easily aroused and driven by their desire for sex than other people. People who have multiple affairs are often addicted to the novelty and excitement that infidelity can provide. Men, more so than women, and I'm not saying women don't, I'm just saying men more so than women, tend to have a higher sex drive and are more likely to cheat. Power. Oh, yes. Everybody knew we were going to get to that one. People in positions of power are more likely to cheat. Power increases one's confidence, which leads powerful individuals to act in more assertive and outgoing ways. Powerful people are more likely to make direct eye contact, strike a confident pose, and approach potential lovers aggressively. Attractiveness. All things being equal, an individual's attractiveness influences how likely he or she is to cheat. Attraction comes in many different forms. It's influenced by one's personal, physical appearance, one's social skills, and one's tangible resources, such as money. The more one is in demand, the more likely one is to cheat. People who have higher incomes, more education, and successful careers are more likely to cheat than people who are considered less successful. Physical attractiveness also plays an important role. Personality differences. Oh, yes. Individual personality traits also play a key role in who is likely to commit infidelity. People who have psychopathic or Machiavellian personality traits are far more likely to cheat. So there's a number of factors that go into cheating, but we're not finished just yet. We have more to cover after this little visit with our sponsors. I'm Naughty Nicole, and you're listening to Big Trouble in Little Vagina on Renegade Talk Radio. When he was young, you supported every accomplishment in his life. C-A-T! Cat! I can read! He's older now, but he still needs help. There were drugs and alcohol at the party. Talk with the teens in your life, and if they're in substance abuse treatment and recovery, support them. Help them achieve new accomplishments. For information and treatment referral, call 1-800-662-HELP. We don't sugarcoat shit. This is Renegade Talk Radio. Renegade Talk Radio. Welcome back, my darling listeners. If you're just joining us, I'm Naughty Nicole, and this is Big Trouble in Little Vagina on Renegade Talk Radio. And today's topic is cheating and cheaters. We've covered some of the factors that can lead someone to cheat, 
and we have a few more. So I say we jump right back into it and talk a little bit about the attitude towards love and romance and how that can be a factor for infidelity. Let's talk about the attachment and love styles. Some people view love and romance as a sacred bond between two people. Other people see love as a game where the goal is to manipulate another individual and gain emotional power over your partner. Now, people who view love as a game are far more likely to have multiple love interests. Cheating is really just another way to gain control over their partner. Also, people with a dismissive style of attachment are far more likely to cheat. Then we have relational problems. Yep, as problems emerge in the relationship, people are more likely to cheat. Infidelity is more common in relationships where people feel misunderstood or underappreciated and where fighting and bickering are the norm. This one's my favorite, sense of entitlement. Yep, some people, due to their position in society, their belief about gender roles, or even their cultural upbringing, believe that it's their right to cheat on their partner. In other words, some people believe that cheating is a privilege to which they are entitled. I personally believe they're entitled to a punch in the nose. That's just me, though. I'm not advocating violence but I do understand. Such individuals, known as philanderers, often engage in infidelity with very little guilt or remorse. So what steps can we take to prevent infidelity? Well, I'm going to start with one that I commonly say on every podcast, and you know it's coming, so here it comes. Communication, communication, oh, and by the way, did I say communication? For starters, many of the things which influence the likelihood that a partner is going to cheat are incredibly difficult to control. For example, it's difficult to limit how your partner spends their time outside of the relationship. Social and work commitments often require partners to spend time apart, providing an opportunity for cheating to occur. And it's even more difficult to control a partner's level of attractiveness or that partner's willingness to take risks. Both of those factors can influence how likely a partner is to cheat. On the other hand, there are a lot of things that you can do to make your current relationship more satisfying for both of you. And people who are in a happy, satisfying relationship are far less likely to cheat. So what does it take to maintain a healthy relationship? I'm going to go with sex. Okay, more than that. Okay, okay, I do have a list. I'm sorry. For the most part, people want the same thing from their romantic partners. People want partners who are understanding, appreciative, respectful, caring and kind, helpful, trustworthy, positive, and fun to be around. And did I mention sex? Let me just say it again because it's kind of important. Sex. Okay. Relationships are difficult to maintain when they're filled with conflict, negativity, and a lack of trust. But 
people in long-term satisfying relationships tend to do the following. They're slow but consistent. That's right, relationships work best when people go slow and take the time to get to know each other. Whirlwind romances usually end in disaster. Okay, I'll give you Cinderella, but seriously, we don't know what happened after they live happily ever after. I'm just saying, they don't go into detail. It also helps to be consistently supportive and encouraging. Inconsistent behaviors can cause misunderstandings and uncertainty. So you can't just one day be supportive and not be supportive the next. You need to truly be supportive and caring with them. Keep things upbeat. Relationships work best when partners express a positive and upbeat attitude towards each other. Genuine displays of happiness and affection go a long way when trying to make a relationship work. By contrast, relationships fail when indifference, anger, and negativity become the norm. In fact, even a little negativity can create a huge problem in a close relationship. Now, this doesn't mean that you can't express negative feelings in a relationship, but there is an appropriate and inappropriate way of dealing with those negative feelings and you need to approach them differently. Approach problems together. Couples feel closer and are far more satisfied when their relationships, when they approach problems and difficulties as a united team. Couples who take an us versus the problem rather than a you versus me approach to conflict are far happier in the long run. Not only that, you guys are on the same side. Don't take each other for granted. Over time, couples typically take each other for granted. At the start of a relationship, people appreciate all the things that their partners do for them. However, as time goes on, people tend to expect more, but acknowledge the partner's contributions even less often. To keep a relationship happy and healthy, it's important to show those appreciations on a consistent basis. And speaking of appreciation, appreciate the differences. Relationships, of course, are going to work the best when partners have a lot of things in common. But you have to respect and appreciate the differences that do exist. It helps to appreciate someone for who they are rather than to try and change them or for how they behave. Keep things exciting and fun. It's easy for couples to get stuck in a rut. Doing the same thing over and over again creates boredom. Falling into a routine limits conversations and it can take the fun out of life. Successful couples learn how to manage this dilemma by doing novel and exciting activities with each other as often as they can. Sharing these new and exciting experiences gives couples something new to talk about and it keeps that romance alive. Be approachable. People need to be able to talk freely with their romantic partners, sharing what's going on in their head or their life and how someone feels about those issues that are important. But being open with a partner is not as easy because it requires partners to tell the truth and actually listen to things that might be difficult for them to hear. Listening in an attempt to 
understand, but not to control, evaluate, or judge is crucial to having a satisfying relationship. And express commitment. Relationships work best when partners reassure each other of their love and commitment to one another. It never hurts to tell anyone that you love them and that you'll always be there for them. So the question is now, are we all hardwired to be cheaters? Well, no, not necessarily. But when someone does cheat, there are so many more factors at play that we immediately realize and they don't necessarily have anything to do with having a shady moral compass. So before you write someone off as being a completely horrible person for being unfaithful, keep in mind the variety of biological influences that shape us all. Cheating can definitely be a painful experience for everyone involved, but it doesn't have to mean the end of a relationship. What you need to remember, regardless of which side of the fence you fall on, you need clear, open, and honest communication. Cheating hurts most when you try to hide what you're doing and what you've done. If you want forgiveness, you have to lay yourself bare and be willing to work on it. Well, that's our time for today. I hope you enjoyed this ride. And maybe you learned something new, or maybe you just liked listening to me talk. If you did, don't hesitate to let me know. You can find me at my website, which is www.nicole-delacroix.com, or on Twitter at at Nicole Delacroix. If you are enjoying listening to me, then make sure you pick up a copy of my book, Sexual Confessional Confidential Admissions from Social Media, available on Amazon.com and other major booksellers. And it's currently on sale in the Kindle store to celebrate Renegade Nation being live on Google Play. That's right, we're on the mothership. I want to thank you for joining me for Big Trouble in Little Vagina here on Renegade Talk Radio. And don't forget to join me next week for our in-depth look at Cheating and Cheaters Continued. Until next time, remember, never ever settle for being someone's other when you know you have the potential to be someone's only. See you next time, my little heathens.